Thank you for joining us for this episode of 13. This episode wouldn't be possible without our patrons, and we have some new folks to welcome to the team. Devin D., Kaylee Payne, Jess Heisey, S.B.E., Delta Tango, Claire Sibley, Chelsea Carroll, Jackie Kay, Jack Chaddick, and Lauren Spiegelmeyer. We couldn't do this without you. Our patrons get access to some pretty cool stuff, like our Patreon-exclusive Discord, where you can chat with us about the show or whatever else is on your mind. There's a lot going on in the Discord. We used to try and give some highlights, but there's just too much now. So if you want to be in on our movie nights and chat with us and other listeners, sign up for Patreon and join the Discord and dive in. Patrons also get bloopers, behind-the-scenes audio, and weekly updates on the show. Different tiers get merch like stickers, t-shirts, and coffee mugs, too. Sign up to support the show at patreon.com forward slash 13pod. We want to tell you about a new podcast that we've been loving. Film History, the History of Film. It's a weekly deep dive into all things film and film history. From Wings to Waterworld. From James Cagney to Brad Pitt. Jimmy, Dev, and Drake will take you on a historic tour through Tinseltown. If you pop over and give them a listen, you'll notice that Jimmy is the narrator of the following episode of 13, and you might recognize one of our favorite 13 narrators of all time, our friend Shelby Scott from Scary to Sleep. So if you love movies, and Jimmy's voice, and maybe Shelby's voice too, then go and check out Film History, The History of Film. We'll have a trailer for the show at the end of the credits on this episode. The episode you're about to hear is called The Widow. It was written by Christina Orlia. Christina writes horror stories, some of which you might have heard, or will hear, on other podcasts. She also writes silly children's stories, poetry, and she's an artist. To learn more about Christina, check the show notes for a link to her website. And now, on with the show. Dating sites. You name them, I've tried them. I thought I'd just about gone through all of them when you found me popped up in my social media ads. I'm a widower, you see, and dating, well, dating is hell. It's hard enough finding someone to get along with, let alone want to date. When you toss in that my wife died a year and a half ago, most women go running. If that doesn't get him, mentioning that my four-year-old son talks to his dead mom, that usually does it. And honestly, who can blame them? I had just about given up on the whole damn thing. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me start from the beginning. Maybe you can make sense of it all. I was standing in line at the corner deli, scrolling through the abyss of my social media platforms while waiting on my hot pastrami on rye. That's when an ad for You Found Me caught my eye. I figured, why the hell not? This would be my last try at it. If I don't get a date from this one, I'm never going to. I heard my name called and blindly took my order from the woman behind the counter. I found a place to sit and began to create a profile. 
I used the same goofy photo from last year's office Christmas party that I used on every other dating site profile that I've aimlessly created. Some of them in this very deli, no less. I tapped upload. Then I put my phone in my pocket. I indulged in my now cold pastrami sandwich and forgot all about the profile. After work, I went to pick up Robert from my sister-in-law's house. Julie and I didn't always see eye to eye, but since Maddie died, she was always there for Robert. She would watch him a few days a week while I went to work. Maddie had worked from home, so we never really considered daycare, but once she passed and I went back to work, well, I needed someone. Julie stepped in and saved the day. Not for me, but for Robert, as she loves to remind me. Today I had to work a little later than usual, and I think that might have irked Julie. When I arrived, she met me at the door. Her demeanor was colder than normal. Late day, huh? She asked. Sorry about that. My boss needed a report that couldn't wait till tomorrow. I walked into the house. I'll try not to make it a habit. She cut me a glance that said she doubted it. I tried to change the subject. So, how was Robert today? This made her smile. Robert reminded her of her sister. He was fine, played with Sarge all day. She gestured over to the German Shepherd that was sprawled out in the hall, worn out from a day of playing, no doubt. He's still talking about playing with Maddie. With this, she frowned and walked off towards the kitchen. Maddie was my wife, Robert's mother. He misses her, I said. We both do. This got me a death stare. It wasn't fair. I loved Maddie more than anything and I fucking missed her like crazy. Julie never came right out and said it, but I know she blames me for her death. A death, mind you, that was completely unpredictable. Even the doctors were left baffled. Ruptured brain aneurysm, the report said. She was perfectly healthy one day, and then the next? It was deemed a natural cause, but it was still somehow my fault. At least that's how Julie sees it. And now our four-year-old son who misses his mama, he talks about playing with her. Of course he would. He doesn't understand that she's gone. So I saw no reason to make him stop. But it bothered Julie. So we were once again discussing it. She started. Brian, he's not going to be able to go into kindergarten if he keeps it up. I'm worried that we might need to get him some therapy. I put my hands up, palms out. Whoa, he's only four. Therapy? What good would that do him? Would he even understand it? I don't know why I was being defensive. I had the same thought. Hell, I thought about getting some help, too. 
but I sure as hell wasn't going to let her know that. I just didn't want it to be her idea. I went on. It'll be something that he grows out of. He just started doing it and school isn't for another few months. Julie wouldn't make eye contact. He's your son, she said dismissively, indicating that she was through talking about it. Perfect timing, because right then, Robert came running into the kitchen and hugged my leg. I scooped him up. Hey, buddy. Did you have a good day with Aunt Julie? He said they'd played outside. They'd had cookies. All the things that make a kid's day. And then, almost as an afterthought, he said he'd played with Mommy, too. I glanced over at Julie and she gave me a sour look. I put him down. Going to get your stuff. It's time to head home. We got home and I made spaghetti with meatballs, Robert's favorite. He watched Scooby-Doo while we ate. After dinner, I gave him a bath and put him to bed. Good night, little man. I love you. He yawned and said, Good night, Daddy. I left his room, turned off the hall lights, and headed for the bathroom. It had been a long day, and I was ready for a hot shower and a cold beer. I walked the house, picking up Robert's toys, closed the blinds, made sure that the doors were locked, and turned off the lights. As I was heading back up the stairs, I heard my phone ping. I picked it up from the charger. One new notification. You have a match. Open up, you found me, to view. Huh. I'd completely forgotten that I made that profile. I do that a lot lately. Forget that I've done things. I clicked on the notification and the app opened to a woman's profile. Her name was Claire. And, wow, she was beautiful. There was a direct message from her. Hey, Brian. The site seems to think we're a match. Do you want to chat tomorrow? That was fast. She would have gotten the notification at the same time I did. She must have had the app open. Why am I overthinking this? Without any more hesitation, I messaged back. Hi, Claire. I'd love that. Short and sweet. Keep the mystery, right? When she didn't respond right away, I turned off the lights and went to bed. She probably took a better look at my profile and realized she'd made a mistake. The next morning, I awoke to another notification. It was Claire responding to my message the night before. How about a lunch date? I'm free on Thursday. And that was the start of my re-entry into the dating world. We met for lunch, and then we went to lunch again soon after. Then it was coffee. Then it was a nightcap. Before long, it was time for a discussion. Claire and Robert hadn't met yet. That was my choice. 
And while I was hopeful that this was going to turn out to be an actual relationship, I still had my reservations. I liked Claire, but I didn't want to confuse Robert. Claire and I met for lunch one Friday afternoon and I brought up the subject. I told her that I thought it was time that she met my son, if she wanted to. I'd really enjoyed our time together and I was hopeful that we might be able to bring Robert along for some of our outings. There was a growing lump in my throat as I spoke. This would be a make or break kind of conversation. What do you think? I asked her. When she didn't respond right away, the lump started punching my vocal cords. Then, thankfully, she smiled. I can't wait. I arranged for Claire to meet us at the park the following weekend. I figured that would be a great place for us to hang out, do the introductions, and still allow Robert a chance to play and not have to sit still. When Claire arrived, I called Robert from the swings. I introduced him to her. This is Daddy's friend that I told you about. I wiped a smudge of dirt from his nose. Say hello to Claire. He said hello and stuck out his arm for a handshake. Claire bent down and shook his hand. It's very nice to meet you, Robert. And with that, Robert went running off to play with the other kids. Claire and I sat on a bench and chatted. I didn't know it at the time, but this was the beginning of the end. After a few weeks of family-style dates, Claire's demeanor started to change. She began to snip at Robert for little things. Thinking back, I should have said something. I should have realized that something was wrong. But I so wanted them to get along. I needed them to get along. I was finally starting to feel alive. One evening, after Robert had gone to sleep, Claire and I sat down for a glass of wine, and I tenderly broached the subject. She listened and she apologized. I'm sorry, Brian. I guess I'm just not good with kids. It's okay. It just takes time. I pulled her in close. You two will be best buds in no time. I hoped that it would be true, because I was starting to fall for Claire. And I don't take that lightly. After losing the literal love of my life, I didn't think I'd ever love another woman again. I know it had only been a couple of months, but there was something special about Claire. I felt a connection with her. I felt safe with her. I felt bewitched by her. She leaned in and kissed me. Maybe so. We'll see. The word maybe didn't sit well with me. But when she kissed me, all my reservations fell away. A few days later, Claire and I were out having a few drinks while Robert was staying the night with Julie. I was on my third drink when Claire said something that would change my life. I'm in love with you, Brian, she said, looking up coyly from her martini glass. I was dumbstruck and didn't respond right away. She looked down and I sat up trying to make myself look big 
regaining my composure. And I told her that I was in love with her too. That night, we made love. Don't get me wrong, we had sex before, but that night, it was intoxicating. Like, I couldn't get enough of her smell, her taste. It was fueling me. It went on for hours. Hours of passionate moans and tipsy promises of forever. The next morning, I was more than a little groggy. But I also had a feeling that life was going to be whole again. And it was invigorating. Claire woke up and rolled over. She propped herself up on the pillow. Her messy hair made her look sexy and feral. Then she looked me in the eyes and spoke a sentence that ripped me in half. Brian, I'm ready to spend the rest of eternity with you. But only you. Last night proved it to me. We're bound together, you and me. I need you to leave your old life behind. Everything and everyone. As the honeyed words danced from her mouth, each one more enthralling than the last, I felt my head swirl and I was completely at her mercy, ready to do anything she asked of me. I felt like I was outside myself. Then a thought broke through, screaming from the back of my mind, and I was back. Everyone? What did she just say? I asked the obvious question. Are you asking me to give up my son for you? She nodded, her expression full of anticipation and hunger. Well, that was it. There was no way that was happening. I opened my mouth to tell her that my son was everything to me, and if she was asking me to choose between them, well, that wasn't even worth considering. But for some reason, I couldn't say those words to her. I glitched. I can't describe it. I'm gonna have to think about it, okay? She leaned in and kissed me, put her hand on my chest, peered up at me with those wild green eyes, and immediately I was energized and ready for another go. Later that day, I went to pick Robert up from Julie's. I couldn't stop thinking about what Claire had asked of me, so I was in a bit of a stupor. When I arrived, Julie met me at the door. She was her normal, unpleasant self, but she seemed concerned about something. Has Robert told you that he doesn't care for your lady friend? He says that she's been mean to him. I cocked my head to the side. What? No. I walked over to the table. Robert told me that he liked her. At least I thought he had. Julie put a hand on her head. Well, you might want to discuss that with your son. He was pretty upset about the whole ordeal. I was confused. Ordeal? Just then, Robert came running up to me. I picked him up and swung him in the air. How was your sleepover? I asked. Good, he said. Can we go home now? 
As we drove home, the conversation with Julie replayed in my head. She said that Robert didn't like Claire, that there had been some ordeal. I stopped for a light and noticed Claire's scarf in the passenger seat. I picked it up and the scent of her perfume lingered in the air, curling into my nose, and I started to think about my evening with her. Those thoughts morphed into a strange fantasy, intruding on my mind as if from somewhere else, daydreaming about what it would be like to have a fresh start. I deserved that, didn't I? I deserved to be happy. I was startled out of my trance. The light had changed and we were holding up traffic. As we got moving, I looked at Robert in the rearview mirror and felt a searing stab of shame. How could I think like that? What the fuck was wrong with me? I adjusted the mirror and caught a glimpse of my reflection. I was startled. My reflection was distorted and foggy. I blinked and it was normal again. As if it were going to ease my guilt, I took Robert to the park. Then we went shopping for some new toys. We ended the day with ice cream and by the time we got home, Robert was exhausted. I had him get cozy on the sofa for some cartoon time while I went to call Claire. I had to correct myself earlier when I said I'd think about it. I had to tell her that there had to be another way. If not, well, I wasn't going to move forward without my son. She answered on the third ring. The moment I heard her say my name, I was transfixed. We started talking about something else entirely. I'd forgotten why I called until I heard Robert laugh in the living room. Then it came back. I told her that there was just no way I was going to choose her or my son. It wasn't even a choice. This wasn't going to work. She was quiet. She just listened. I told her that I meant it when I said I loved her, but this wasn't going to work if she couldn't accept both of us. I waited for her to respond. The line was weirdly quiet. No telltale electronic hum or interference. It was dead silent. And then she finally spoke. Brian, this makes me so sad. I had so hoped that we had a real connection. I thought that last night really brought us together. Her voice echoed. I repeated myself. I'm sorry, this is absurd. I'm not leaving my son. At this, there was a clip of interference in my ear, and there was a steady, composed rage in her voice. Brian, we made a connection. It cannot be undone. I fought the haze in my mind. I pulled the phone away from my ear while I paced the kitchen, putting it down by my side while I tried to get my bearings. Claire, I'm sorry, but this isn't up for discussion. If you can't understand that, then I guess we don't have the connection that I thought we had. There was a moment when neither of us spoke, 
And then there was a voice in my ear. Oh, but we do. And then the line went dead. I couldn't believe it. I was devastated. The one woman that I finally had feelings for again. She just walked out of my life. Shattered, I put the phone on the counter and went to cuddle with my son. After a couple cartoons, Robert was knocked out, sound asleep. He was so peaceful, lying there, drool puddle and all. I'd made the right choice. There was never any question. I ruffled his hair to wake him up. Hey, little man, let's get you up to bed. I picked him up and carried him to his room. I stared at his angelic, pudgy face. Nothing was going to pull me away from him, ever. He woke up long enough to change into his teddy bear PJs and then I kissed his forehead and tucked him in. As I stood in his bedroom door, watching him fall back to sleep, I couldn't imagine going on without him. I turned off the light and closed his door. I cleaned up the living room, turned off the light and headed for bed myself. I was feeling drained. My head was pounding. I grabbed my phone from the kitchen counter and I noticed that I had a message. It was from Claire. Don't worry, love. All will be fine. Was she having a change of heart? The thought of her leaving tore my insides apart. I didn't have the energy to think about it. Things might be alright after all. Who knows? That night I dreamed of making love to Claire. It was so real. I could smell her. Taste her. I could feel her nails in my back. It was spellbinding. And just as dream me reached climax, I woke up. I was drenched with sweat and my mouth was dry. I needed water. In the bathroom, I splashed cool water on my face and looked at myself in the mirror. I looked different. Tired, yes. But there was something else, too. I grabbed a Dixie cup full of water and walked into the hall. As I passed by Robert's closed door, I could hear him talking from the other side. He said, No, Mama. I can't play right now. I'm sleepy. I hear a heavy yawn. He groaned and then there was the sound of him shifting his weight in his bed. Maybe tomorrow, he said. I cracked open his door as quietly as I could. He was rolling over in bed facing the window. His curtains were partially open. Moonlight streaked his face. He carefully closed the door and headed back to bed. The next morning, I asked him about it while we ate breakfast. Hey bud, were you dreaming about mama last night? He gave me a look, sizing me up. I woke up cause she was outside my window. She wanted me to come outside and play, but I was sleepy. I sat down at the table next to him. That sounds like some dream, bud. 
You must really be missing her. He smiled at me through a mouthful of pancakes. No, I was awake. I told Mama that maybe I could play today. After breakfast, I called Julie. This was the first time Robert had ever mentioned dreaming like this. So I wanted to see if maybe he had done it at her house. Julie told me that he slept through the night and never mentioned any dreams. Maybe it was just because I wore him out yesterday. He was still tired this morning after all. I thanked her and told her that we'd see her Tuesday. I hung up and poured another cup of coffee. It was Sunday and we had plans to go to the water park. While we packed up the car, I noticed something. The gravel in the flower bed was disturbed. I finished loading up the car and then walked over to take a closer look. I glanced up to the second floor and noticed that it was under Robert's bedroom window. Looking back, knowing what I know now, I wish I had put more thought into this. But in the rush to get out of the house, I just didn't. I just shifted the gravel back in place like it was nothing. It was Labor Day weekend, a beautiful afternoon. Just hot enough to be comfortable in the water. A picture-perfect sky. At the end of summer, the park was crowded. I found a spot to set up and told Robert to go have fun. I set up a chair, relaxed, and enjoyed the sunshine. I made some small talk with some other parents. And after a bit, I looked up to see how Robert was doing. And just then, I thought I caught a glimpse of Claire. She was on the other side of the park. I couldn't be sure. I waved at her. Looked like she was looking at me, but I can't be sure. She didn't react. I got up and started walking in her direction. By the time I navigated the crowd and made it over there, there was no trace of her. I must be seeing things. I turned and scanned through the crowd. Nothing. While I walked back to my chair, I spotted Robert playing with some kids. The kind of friends you make for a day and never see again. The kind of friends only kids can make. We stayed at the park for another hour. Then I rounded Robert up to get something to eat. In the car, he told me he'd seen his mother again. That she wanted to play. I tried to push back a little. As much as I hated to admit it, Julie was right. We need to do something about this. You sure, bud? It was pretty busy. Maybe you just thought you saw her. But my voice wasn't as confident as I would have liked. I thought about how I was certain I'd seen Claire. There was no uncertainty in Robert's voice. No, it was her. When we got home, we were both exhausted. I stretched out on the sofa with Robert and we fell asleep watching Scooby-Doo. I woke up to a notification sound from my phone. I grabbed it and saw a text from Claire. All will be good. Chat tomorrow? I typed back, sure, and hit send.
but a moment later, it dinged back. Failed to sin. Retry? My connection looked fine. I'd try again in a minute. I reached down to wake Robert up. Hey bud, time for dinner. He looked up at me, eyes half open, hair matted on his left side, drool crusted on his cheek, and yawned. Grilled cheese? Grilled cheese it is. We ate our grilled cheese sandwiches and watched more cartoons. Then I gave him his bath and it was time for bed. I wasn't tired yet, so I relaxed on the sofa, had a couple of drinks. There wasn't much on TV, so I blankly channel surfed before setting on an old western movie. Before long, I was yawning more than I was watching, so I cleaned up the living room and went upstairs to go to bed. As I passed Robert's door, I heard him talking again. I leaned into the door, trying to hear, and just then, my phone pinged, scaring the shit out of me. I looked at the screen. It was a notification from the dating app where I'd met Claire, but the notification didn't make sense. You haven't finished setting up your profile. You're running out of time to find your match. Open, you found me, and complete your profile now. Puzzled, I stared at the screen. What the fuck? I muttered out loud to no one. I stood there confused, and that's when I heard a noise that sounded like a window opening. I looked from my phone to Robert's bedroom door. His voice froze me in my tracks. From the other side of that door, I heard him say these awful words. Okay, mama. I'll come out and play. Time slowed. I heard the window opening in little creaks and cracks, like he was struggling with it. He didn't know how to work the lock, so it didn't compute right away. Until I heard his little voice. Will you catch me? Time snapped back. I dropped my phone and went for the door. It wouldn't budge. It was locked. I didn't think Robert could even turn the lock. I started to pound on the door, panicking, shouting for him to let me in. He shouted back to me, Daddy, Mama's at the window. I tried ramming the door with my shoulder, shouting to him at the same time to stay away from the window. The door wouldn't give way. I backed up and hit it with more force. Nothing. I hit the door for a third time, and the door flew open. Just in time to see my son jump out of the window. It was too late. I never even got close. The ambulance took Robert away. The police asked their questions and did their investigation. They found that the door had been locked from the inside and that the child's safety latch on the window had also been opened. They found no immediate signs of foul play. 
the officer said I'd need to come down to the station in the morning to give a full statement and go over some details. For now, he said, I should try to get some rest. Absent-mindedly, I told him that I would, and after they left, I locked the door. I walked around the room in shock. Then I thought I should call Julie. Where's my phone? I absently walked into the kitchen. When I found it, the screen lit up. There was a notification and a text message. The notification was from You Found Me, the dating app. Still need help completing your profile? Remember, you can't be matched until you finish it. Open the app for assistance. And then, the text message. It was from Claire. We can finally be together now. Chat tomorrow? joining us for this episode of 13. If you like what you heard, stop what you're doing and leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This month's story was The Widow, written by Christina Orlia, narrated by James Wyatt Scott. Editing and sound design is by Liz Walker. Music is by Caleb Ritchie, with assistance from Bridget Howard, Brooke Jeanette, and Ian Epperson. Our producer-level patrons are Rick Linville, Tattooed Fox, Rhiannon, Sean Geary, Anthony Diaz, Wiley Caudill, Paul Doyle, Anton Madison, Delta Tango, Jackie Kay, and Jack Chaddock. Thank you so much for your support. Our Patreon partners get access to an exclusive Discord channel to chat with the creators and a second monthly reading. Merch, bloopers, behind-the-scenes content, and weekly updates on the show. We're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at some version of 13pod or pod13. Just look for the logo. We're trying to beef up the social media activity, so seriously, come say hi. We talk back. We'll have links in the show notes. Stay tuned after the credits for a trailer of Film History, A History of Film. If you'd like to submit a story to be performed on the show or contact us about anything else, get in touch at info at 13podcast.com. You can find it in the show notes. Bridget Howard is the second set of footsteps following you home at night. Thanks for listening. See you next month. Welcome to Film History... The History of Film! I'm James. And I'm Drake. And I'm Devin. And we're the hosts of Film History, The History of Film. Each week, we take a deep dive into some old Hollywood history that you've probably never heard about. But it's not like your high school film class. We're cracking jokes and goofing off the entire time. It's history told our way for all audiences, from the ill-informed to the savants of cinema. 
Yeah, we tell you about James Cagney almost getting his head blown off because, well, you know, back in the 30s, you were allowed to just shoot machine guns at your leading man. And wait until you hear the episode about Waterworld. Or how the world's first vampire movie was made by real occultists and some Nazis. And there's plenty more little-known Hollywood lore out there, legends and facts. So if you join us every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts, I promise it'll be a good time. Yeah, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Just look for Film History. The History of Film.